This is Isabel and Sandimas Conversations with Neighbors. This is a podcast to spark conversations among neighbors about happenings in and around Sandimas. I am Isabel in Sandimas, and I'm happy to be one of your neighbors. This episode is going to explore the San Dimas Experimental Forest. What is the San Dimas Experimental Forest and what do they do there, you wonder? I wondered too. <laughs> I actually got this idea from someone way back when I first started the podcast and uh, posted about the podcast on Nextdoor and uh one of my neighbors mentioned that they would like to learn more about the experimental forest. So I reached out to the Sandimus Experimental Forest and had a nice conversation with Pete Wolgamuth, who is a physical scientist with the U.S. Forest Service. And he explained to me what they do there, uh, told me a little bit about the history. So I'm excited to do an episode today to share with you a little bit about what I learned. I mean, first off, if you have lived in San Dimas or been through San Dimas, you know, you know, some of the hiking trails, you've been up to the mountain areas and you might have come across, uh, the experimental forest with signs saying no trespassing. Uh, it's it's quite mysterious. At least that's how I felt about it when I uh, first heard of it. And you know, if you watch Stranger Things, that's definitely crossed my mind. I've wondered what kind of weird experiments are they doing over there. But unfortunately, there's no, or maybe fortunately, there's nothing like Stranger Things going on over there. And Pete uh, told me about the actually really important uh, scientific research that they're doing in the forest to help uh, better forest lands around the country in general. So first, I just want to start by explaining that the San Dimas Experimental Forest is actually not part of San Dimas. It bears the name of San Dimas, but it's actually a region of forests that's north of Glendora, San Dimas, Laverne, and Claremont. It's in the San Gabriel Mountains, and it's about 32 square miles, which is uh, approximately 17,000 acres. And it's managed by the U.S. Department of Agriculture through the Forest Service. And this is specifically part of the Pacific Southwest Research Station. So according to my conversation with Pete, he said, in a nutshell, the San Dimas Experimental Forest is a research preserve. So the Forest Service, through their work in the forest, is trying to do a better job of managing land across the entire country. And so the primary objective of the San Dimas Experimental Forest is to learn about the particular ecosystem that we have here in this natural environment and apply this knowledge to other similar areas that are held in public trust for the benefit of the people. So basically, they want to use what they learn here in the Sandy Mist Forest to improve how the land is taken care of, public lands are taken care of across the country to benefit the citizens. Unfortunately, Pete reiterated to me that the Sandimus Experimental Forest is really not meant for recreation. It's really meant as a dedicated 
outdoor scientific lab. So I know there's probably a lot of interest in hiking or exploring the experimental forest, but that's really not what it's intended for. It's really intended for academic research, which I will talk about shortly. So in talking to Pete, he told me that he is one of the more senior members of the experimental forest in San Dimas. So he's been there, uh, I think, maybe the longest or knows the most about the forest as far as uh, the other current employees are concerned. He said the rest who know more than him have already retired. But he did give me some history, which I wanted to share with you all. So the San Dimas Experimental Forest was established in 1933, and it is the only such forest of its type in Southern California, and it was originally used to study the water cycle in this region and climate. So it's basically a giant outdoor hydrologic laboratory. What that means is that they use the forest to understand how water moves through the environment. They measure rainfall, evaporation, stream runoff, how much water was used by vegetation, plants, trees, etc., and how it flows back to the ocean. So one of the early ideas when the forest was first established was the people who were interested in the research there wanted to understand if land management could lead to more water being available for agriculture and domestic use. So, for example, if they could alter or manipulate parts of the forest land, would that lead to more water at the bottom of the mountain? Nowadays, they're still doing hydrologic studies in the forest because, as Pete said, we haven't learned everything that we can, but we do have long-term data sets from the experimental forest. So now, in 2020, we can see, as compared to the 1930s when the forest was first established, how things have changed over time, whether that's uh, the water cycle, the climate change, etc., so what kind of research do they do in the San Dimas Experimental Forest now? So like I said, one of the main things they do there is study the water cycle. So they monitor precipitation, water yield in the mountain areas, and they manipulate vegetation to see what will result in the most water. So one example that he, that Pete shared with me was in the 1950s and 60s, they did what was called type conversion, which means they intentionally changed the type of vegetation from the native chaparral shrubs to be grass. So their thought in at that time in the 1950s and 60s when they were doing this experiment was that the grass would use less water and more water would be available downstream. So that would help the citrus farmers and other agriculture domestic uses at the bottom of the mountain. So in theory, this idea worked well. And in practice, from the 1950s through the 60s, it worked well as well. There was an increase in water yield. However, in the early 1960s, there was a drought. And then in 1969, there were huge rainstorms uh, that really uh, poured down on the forest. And what they found were that there were unintended consequences. So grass typically has roots that are about one to one and a half feet deep. It doesn't use as much water because the roots aren't as 
deep as chaparral shrubs, whereas the chaparral shrubs, they use more water and their roots are about 10 feet deep. So they have a lot more root strength. So in 1969, when the storms came through, um, there were a lot of small landslides and a lot of dirt getting into the streams at the bottom of the mountain, making the extra water yield unusable. So you could see that this experiment actually was really valuable. It taught the scientists that, um, that while in theory, the idea of changing all the shrubs to grass seemed like a good, a good idea. It, it did yield more water for a while. There was a point when there was so much water that the mudslides started happening and the water ended up being unusable. So, you know, over the course of 10, 20 years, they learned uh, about the water flow and that maybe it wasn't such a great idea to change the shrubs to grass. And the experimental forest was a perfect place to try an experiment like this. And as Pete said, they learned that changing the shrubbery to grass was not wise. Otherwise, they may have done a type conversion in the entire Angeles forest. So thank goodness we learned that from the San Dimas Experimental Forest. Another example of a study took place in the 1930s and 40s. So there was such thing as a lysimeter. So the San Dimas lysimeters were built to uh, track or quantify how much rainfall goes into the ground. So they built about 28 giant concrete bunkers constructed into the ground. But apparently at that time, they didn't really understand how groundwater works. They assumed that the underground bunkers would fill up with water, um, but it didn't end up working that way. So it ended up being a failure for that 1930s, 1940s experiment. However, Later on in the 1990s, other scientists came and they started looking at the lysimeter bunkers. And what they did was they took soil samples from these bunkers and they found that there were processes in soil that were believed to take thousands of years, but they were actually able to discover and show that that these processes that they expected to take thousands of years only took 60 years from the 1930s to the 1990s. So it ended up being a failed experiment for the 1930s scientists, but it, it was a successful discovery for soil scientists in the 1990s. So you can see that the benefit of having the experimental forest over time uh, can lead from failure in one decade to an accidental discovery in the next. Another big area of research that's conducted at the Sandy Miss Experimental Forest is the impact of wildfire on watershed processes and air quality. So when I was talking to Pete, he explained, you know, fire is part of the ecosystem. It's just a, a fact of nature. And the forest burned in 1919, which was one of the original reasons that the forest became an area of interest to study. Anyway, um, there were other fires in 1960, again, in 2002. And so I talked with Pete about how they study fires. And he said that sometimes they use prescribed burns, which is uh, human 
made fires, but that's pretty rare uh, because they're difficult to control. So usually uh, when they study fire, they're studying wildfires that occur naturally. And and in doing their fire research, they're really trying out different pilot projects for fire protection. So as you know, if you've been living in Southern California or California uh, in the past five, 10 years, you know that fire research is really important with the growing number of fires that we've been seeing here in California. So just imagine that in our backyard in the San Dimas Experimental Forest, they are doing research about fire protections that can hopefully help our state combat wildfires in the future. Since 1982, the San Dimas Experimental Forest has been an air quality monitoring site for the National Atmospheric Deposition Program. This is a nationwide network that looks at atmospheric deposition when it rains over time. So what does that mean? (laughs) That was a mouthful, and I had to ask Pete what is deposition and what is the National Atmospheric Deposition Program. So deposition is basically the stuff that falls out of the sky when it rains. It used to be called acid rain, but now it's known as nitrate pollution from automobile exhaust, which primarily comes from the LA basin. So when it rains, there's deposition or this nitrate pollution that's coming down and the San Amos Experimental Forest sends samples to Wisconsin to be analyzed. Now, one problem with this method that Pete explained is that they're only looking at what's coming down when it rains. But here in California, we know that it doesn't typically rain that much compared to other areas. So we're only looking at what rains when really a lot of the pollution that comes down comes down in a dry state, which is even without rain. So the monitoring that goes on is a little bit unrepresentative of all the pollution that we're actually experiencing. So what happens with this pollution, according to Pete, is that it gets into the stream water and Compared to other locations in the country, you can imagine that the San Dimas Experimental Forest is pretty polluted, just considering, you know, the proximity to the Los Angeles area and the automobile pollution, etc. One scientist who was looking at this a little bit more closely found that the stream water was pretty heavily saturated with nitrogen. Pete said that he didn't consider it to be a health risk because people typically aren't drinking water right out of the creek, hopefully. So PSA to all of you explorers out there, probably don't want to be drinking the creek water. Um, But as far as the plants go, nitrogen is considered a fertilizer. So the pollution ironically ends up becoming kind of a fertilizer for the plants. Uh, So interesting outcome. Other research that has been proposed or done in the experimental forest includes studies of the avian populations, uh, some interesting 
studies related to fungi, soil insects, ants, seed dispersal, and wildlife. So there's all different sorts of things that can be studied in the experimental forest. Uh, the three that I mentioned, the hydrology, fire, and uh, atmospheric deposition are the main things, but researchers can propose research and come to the forest and and do all sorts of things in the natural forest environment. Most of the researchers who come are graduate students or professors or quote, legitimate researchers from academic institutions. Researchers also include scientists from federal or state agencies, for example, the United States Geological Service or others. And they typically stay for at least a season or a year or sometimes even longer through their degree. And like I mentioned earlier, scientists can look at archival materials and compare you know, what's going on presently to what happened 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago, etc. So probably the question that you're all wondering is, can visitors visit the experimental forest? So currently, when scientists come to visit the forest, they need permits because long-term research is going on and the administrators of the forest don't want you know, one person's experiment to get in the way of another. So they have designated areas where they're doing their research. Typically, the general public is not allowed in the experimental forest because they don't want people to be trampling or tampering or, in other words, messing up the important scientific research that's going on there. So it's really not made for recreational purposes, like I said. But the experimental forest staff do conduct controlled tours. Usually the tours are done by university groups or other interested groups that are looking at forest hydrology, ecology, uh, things like that. But in general, it's not a place meant for general public recreation or exploration. So it's really got to be controlled so that we're not uh, interfering with the work that's being done. So some of the challenges that the forest faces, like I kind of alluded to, just population pressures in Southern California and people interested in recreating in the forest, like hiking or camping or whatever. Uh, you know, the forest is, compared to other areas in the greater Los Angeles area, the San Dimas Experimental Forest is pretty pristine and you know, idyllic if you love nature and you want to go out and explore. But like I said, it's really meant for research and study. And and by having the public have a free-for-all in the forest, it kind of defeats the purpose of being an experimental forest. So that concludes what I learned about the San Dimas Experimental Forest. I hope you learned something new. Um, I will link to the forest website as well as a couple other articles that helped me in doing research. And that you can find those at isabelandsandimas.com slash forest. So I'm curious to know, have you heard of the forest or have you been to the San Dimas Experimental Forest? In what context? I won't tell on you if you happen to recreate. Um, I'm just curious to know. Um, also, before you heard this episode, what did you think was done there? Like I said, I had images of Stranger Things. Did, did you have any uh, more fantastical or sci-fi thoughts in your the back of your mind uh, before you listened to this show? 
feel free to let me know at isabelandsandemas.com slash forest. Lastly, a personal tidbit about myself. Well, my family and I, we do love hiking and being out in nature. And one of my favorite local hikes close to our home is the Big Dalton Trail over in Glendora. It's really nice. It's family friendly. We take the kids, uh, we take our dog. And uh, one time when we were hiking, we just had this most magical moment where uh, we came across two deer crossing the stream and it was just absolutely beautiful. Um, So if you haven't been, I definitely recommend checking out the Big Dalton Trail. That's it for me today. Thank you for joining me. I am Isabel in San Dimas. Before I go, I want to encourage you to connect with one of your neighbors this week by thinking back to this episode, maybe picking one tidbit that you learned about the San Dimas Experimental Forest and sharing that with a friend or neighbor. Uh, I don't know about you, but if I hadn't heard this episode, I would like to learn something new about the San Dimas Experimental Forest. As always, you can find me at isabelandsandimas.com. Feel free to reach out, send me your show ideas. Just drop me a line, say hi. I look forward to chatting with you next time. Bye-bye.